This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's Biker Chick and the Bowtie Guy. Let's do this. <laughs> she wouldn't do it, so I did. Right before I pushed the microphone, or the, the record button, lovely Miss Christina said, let's do this. And I was like, that's a great way to start the show. And then every time I come up with a great way to start the show, she won't... What you see or hear is what you get with Christina. There's no act at all in her. <laughs> she won't stage things for me. It's 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 beautiful, but uh, oftentimes it's like, oh, that would be so golden if she would just say, let's do this like she did. So I need to just always keep the microphone running. Is, that I would be terrifying. Thing. Yeah, just constantly. That would be terrifying. Recording. Did you ever see the, the movie uh, Truman Show where it was a Jim Carrey and the whole premise was his life was being filmed, but he didn't know that he was the subject of a reality TV show. And so people were watching him and, and his whole world was on a sound stage. Um, but anyhow, very fascinating, cool concept. But... Sometimes I feel like that would be cool to have, you know, just the 24 hours so you could just roll back and find things. It would be rated adult. Well, it, we would have to have the little E yeah. on our, uh, uh, our sure. thing that I'm glad that we don't have. So I was actually, we were discussing show topics today and we were going to talk about one and we were having a discussion. I was like, oh, this would be great for the show. But I asked Christina, I said, is this something we can talk about without getting too agitated? And she said, maybe next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe not today. We weren't quite ready for that one. No. So anyhow, this is the Mess It Up podcast. And... Uh, we have a word of the week. It's the big wow. I am the uh, bow tie guy. And I am the biker chick. And uh, Christina is now show director. It's so funny. <laughs> Normally I'm like pointing and doing stuff and, you know, like trying to be the producer. And as soon as I said that, she pointed to me and then she like, come on now, introduce yourself. Right. Uh, Who so, are you? Yeah. So our big wow this week, the, the word of the week is uh, reconcile. And um, to reconcile is to make things come into agreement. And a lot of times we think about it in terms of relationship, but I always like to compare it to the fact that when we are reconciling our checkbook, we're making sure that what we say is what it is. And that's what we're doing in, in life and uh, relationships as well, is that reconciliation. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Didn't he reconcile our relationship with God? Didn't he make it right again? Completely. Absolutely. That was like the whole purpose, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I have had a really um, cool week this week nice. with prison. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of just like moments and things. And, and the thing that I love about being in the prison is it's me. All right. It's going to sound wrong, but I'm just going to say what I was going to say. It's me talking. <laughs> Weird. That's strange. But I find when I just talk, God gives me words that I don't have. And some things came out this week as I was talking in the prison to different guys about different things that were just like, whoa, that is, thank you, God, for giving me those thoughts. So I was just really, I love doing that. And I love the thoughts that I have uh, in here. And I'll put some of them on my blog and we'll talk about some of them here on the show in just a moment. What is your blog, Paul? My blog would be the ministerofmocha.com blog. It's a little blast of hope that comes out every Monday morning. Check it out uh, at ministerofmocha.com and um, hopefully it gets you started right on your week. Yeah, we don't plug that very often. Maybe we should plug it a little bit more. Maybe. Yeah. Speaking of plugging, there is a person 
Yeah, she's thinking my mouth right now. Uh, there's a person who has been listening to us very consistently in Amsterdam for the past several months, and I need to know who you are. So please send us an email so we can say thanks for making us international. It's just outstanding. I just want to know more about how you heard about the show and found us and, and what goes on with your, you know, life in Amsterdam. Where would they send that email, Paul? Well, there are three places that they could go. One would be to intern Dave, who lives in Hawaii, and uh, he is info at messituppodcast.com. However, some people don't want to talk to intern Dave because they think he's too busy surfing. So some people want to talk to the nerdy bowtie guy, and that would be me. So that's bowtie guy at messituppodcast.com. But then other people want to talk to the real person on the show, and that's you. The real person what? On the show. On the show. On the show. <laughs> it's bikerchick at messituppodcast.com. Yeah, and we do love getting those uh, those emails. We get some from, uh, we, we got a really nice, just like gushy message from listener Bev just before we started um, recording today. And so it's just, it's nice to hear those things. But especially I want to hear from uh, the person who's listening in Amsterdam. If that's you, if you find yourself in Amsterdam right now listening to this, let us know uh, about it. We're, we're really uh, intrigued and, and thrilled to have you along for the ride. And uh, perhaps uh, we'd love to hook up with you and uh, hear your story about um, what's going on in Amsterdam and, and how your mess has become a message. So uh, get a hold of us. We're also on Instagrams. Uh, uh, what do they call that thing? Instagram. Uh, social media. We got Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, a few other places like Reddit. Um, so you can keep track of us in all those different places. We love the interplay between uh, us and the listeners, so please uh, keep track with that. The most difficult thing about social media is when no one's being social. And so it's like antisocial, not media. So, uh, you know, get in there, say some stuff, see if anybody uh, uh, reacts to your comments or whatever, talk about the show, talk about something you agreed with, maybe even something you disagreed with, um, which is going to be next week's show, stuff that we disagree with. Uh, so look forward to that next week. It's going to be a hoot nanny, but hopefully not a Donnybrook. I'm really speechless this week. Sometimes, Paul, I just look at you and I don't know the words. I'm a wonderment. So I just, yeah. 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 So anyhow, uh, this week is reconciled. We uh, have just reconciled all of our business, uh, before we get into the show. Word. So right now, man, we are so thug feasel. Bidneth and word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, golly. Uh, it's a lot of fun doing this. We're going to jump in. And what I want to tell you about is I, I said I would tell you this story about what happened on Thursday at right. the prison. So, uh, and this is a, a step 10 opportunity here. Step 10 being... Um, took daily inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So this is me promptly admitting to the world when I was wrong. And um, so I, I went to the prison on Thursday with my, my lovely wife and we have two classes. And between the classes, there's a gap of time where we have dinner. So uh, we're trying to be uh, good guests at the prison and not bring all of our stuff in and just take over the prison, which we're just volunteers at. So we bring our dinner in a little ice chest or igloo thing, and then we will bring it in and microwave it between classes. So after class ended on Thursday, we go out to the uh, parking lot at the prison 
and the sun has started to go down. It's, it's dusk, it's, it's getting dark. And I hit the remote on my car fob to unlock the car. And um, it doesn't unlock. So I like, go, well, that's frustrating. So I push it a little bit more, it's not doing it. So I'm like, well, all right. Can't use my wife's keys because we have left them in her purse in the car. So I know that if I unlock the door with my key, I can jump in, the alarm will go off, but then I can start up the car and the alarm will go off. because It will, will stop going off, it will deactivate the alarm. So I've done this before, so I'm ready for that. So I unlock, I open, honk, honk, jump in, fire up the car, the car fires up, the horn keeps honking, the lights keep flashing, and the engine dies. It's like, okay, take a little deep breath, do it again, fire up, start, stop, alarm keeps doing its thing. After the third time, it was done. Not the horn and the honky and the, the flashy, but the car wasn't. <laughs> she's laughing because I said honky. honky. <laughs> uh, so the, the car was, was done starting for me. It was like, you know what? You don't belong to me. You're trying to steal me. So I'm not going to work for you. Take that. Mm-hmm. So here I am. Dark parking lot. Horns honking, lights flashing at the prison. And I I tell people that one thing that you don't want to do at a prison is do anything to set off any alarm anywhere. It's just when they hear noises that don't belong, people rush. It's like uh, when a bear smells food in the forest, it comes to it and sharks to blood. And and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get all these guys come a running uh, and and ladies just ready to figure out what the problem is. And um, so I'm stressed out. So I look at my wife when I'm in the car and I'm frustrated and I say, find the fuse. So she takes those words of mine, which were super descriptive. She opens up the glove box. She gets out the little book, the manual, and she proceeds to find a fuse. Now, I didn't say what fuse I wanted. I wanted to find some fuse and I didn't think that the alarm would be on a fuse because it's not a really good alarm if you could just pull a fuse. So she thinks better than me and thinks, where's the horn? So I pop the hood, I go out to where the fuse box is, I open up the hood of the car, and the little hydraulic arms that are there are old, and they don't work really well. So the hood, it doesn't smack me on the head, but it's on my head, and I'm having to hold it up. And that's what you want when you're frustrated. So it's dark and I can't see. I'm trying to open up the fuse box and I'm trying on the wrong side of it. It opens on the right side. I'm trying on the left side because I see what might be that. Then I think, all right, I pull my phone out and I look and I'm trying to get it and I can't get it. And then Bev comes over and she says, it's a yellow 20 amp in position four. And I say, what's that supposed to mean? But in a much louder voice than that because you know, the horn is honking and I need to be heard over top of this horn. And also, yeah, I'm frustrated and being a jerk. So she says, try this one. <laughs> now, the whole time she's being really calm, even though she's stressing out because she knows I'm stressing out and she doesn't want me to stress out. But she points to it and lo and behold, it's the one. Now I'm trying to pull it out and I don't have any tools to pull it out. So I'm using my fingers and my keys and my keys keep slipping and jabbing me in the finger and that's making me feel better about things but I finally get the stupid thing out and the horn stops honking and I'm like oh good that at least 
made that better. So now we're trying to figure out what to do. And I know that the car is not starting. So we're like kind of dead in the water here. And I've got a class coming up in an hour and a half. So I decide to call AAA. I'm thinking if AAA can come out and disable the alarm, then we'll be all good. So I call AAA and they go through and the guy on the other end of AAA, all he hears is I can't get the car started. So he thinks, all right, dude needs a jump. So he sends a tow truck to dispatch it. And then tow truck driver calls me and it's all like obviously speakerphone. I think it might be maybe in the back of the truck where he isn't even. And all I hear is just, it's like a, like a subway announcement. But I make out the point that he is in Mojave, which is about 20 to 30 minutes away from where I am, depending on how you drive. Right. So I'm okay, cool. Now the dispatcher said he'll be there at seven. It's 5.30 and he's gonna get there at seven. I'm like, eh, my class starts at 7.30. So I'm just thinking, okay, or my class starts at 6.30. So I was like, I'm just gonna cancel class. So I go inside, tell them canceling class and they, walk through everything and tell me. And every person at the prison who hears all this has helpful advice on how to make this go away. Right. So I say thank you for all the helpful advice and I act like I'm trying to do what they've told me and they're telling me to do the things I've already done and I don't want to say I've already done it. So I'm just like, oh, okay, great. Push the button to stop it. Great, let's try that. Nope, not working. Um, so Bev and I are sitting there then in the parking lot and every time you open up the door, it starts up again. Now, we've got the horn off, but the lights are flashing. I'm just like, Ugh. so it's frustrating to me. But I have to tell my wife now, look, I was out of line doing this. And I don't like to uh, be wrong, but I don't have a problem admitting it necessarily when I am wrong. And and. I was pleased with how quickly it came to me that I needed to be wrong right. in this. So as soon as the noise stopped and everybody, I know that it's time to do this. And typically when I apologize to my wife for being a jerk, she will say, it's okay. To which I say, no, it's not okay. Right. So this time I give her the apology and I'm half expecting her to say it's okay. And I'm going to then say, no, it's not okay. And tell her why it's not okay. And she says... I forgive you. And I was like, wow. Mm. There was reconciliation right there in the parking lot. Right. And then we spent uh, the next hour or so, uh, two and a half miles walking around in circles in the parking lot. Uh, and then we ate our lunch cold uh, in the car. And then uh, while we're doing this, a tow truck driver calls. He says, hey, uh, we're really backed up and I'm really sorry. I'm not going to be able to get there for another hour and a half. I'm 89 miles away from you. I'm thinking... Dude, you just said you were in Mojave like a half an hour ago. Well, it turns out they've sent two different tow truck drivers to come get us. Wow. Yeah. So when the tow truck driver got there, he's like, I'm not good with alarms. So we try the old put the key into the door, lock it, unlock it a couple times. That didn't work. But then when I got in the car, he said, well, let's move it back and we'll, he'll tow me home. So I go put it in. Is that I'm putting the key into the car to um, turn it on and, and get it into neutral. My finger accidentally hits the key to lock or unlock the door, and I hear the locks activate. And I was like, what? So then we push the little panic button. Alarm goes off. Nice. It was amazing. So Bev and I drove home. We're good to go. Uh, I have to put the 
the, the, the fuse back in for the horn. I don't have a horn right now. Um, but that's most of the story. But here's the, the part of the story that's, that's, I mean, I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent, but part of the reason that I was frustrated and, and I focused my frustration on Bev, I wasn't mad at the fob, which was malfunctioning. Right. I wasn't mad at the car, which was malfunctioning. I wasn't mad at myself for doing what I did because it was legitimate and everything like that. I was mad because my wife, as we're walking into the prison, says, oh, did you lock the car? And I hadn't intentionally. So I locked it. So that all of a sudden made it my wife's fault. So then it was like in my head, it's like, okay, must make a point of this, that none of this would have been happening except for you made me do this. And that's where my irritation was, was born out of, was just that totally like blameful goofballness of that. And it was just, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Say what your face wants to say. I have nothing. You got nothing. Yeah. So, no. So here's the beautiful thing about it. And this is what I love about recovery. This is what I love about my relationship with my wife Mm -hmm. is we were able to talk about it. We were able to drive home. We were able to laugh. Right. We were able to, you know, not only did we say, well, we're we're bummed that we're missing this class, but we're going to make good use of our time. So we're going to get some steps in and walk around the prison parking lot for two and a half miles. So, you know, Bev sets her little thing on her watch to track our, our steps and all this kind of stuff. When I go into the prison, I am the prison fellowship guy. Mm. I'm the bow tie guy. I'm the guy who looks like he's got his act together and he's successful. He's coming in to help. Right. And so it can be easy for people to put people on a pedestal and think that they are uh, above reproach or beyond mistakes. Uh, Oftentimes we do this with with pastors or, or people in our lives who are are in a position of authority or, or, or elevated relevance. And I took the opportunity in my Friday night class, uh, here in the streets, my celebrate recovery and my Saturday morning celebrate recovery and my Saturday afternoon celebrate recovery. And in my Sunday celebrate recovery to retell the story. Mm-hmm. And never did I try to make myself look like a hero. I tried to make sure that they knew I was in the wrong in what I did, because I think it's so important for us to be able to do that 10th step to say, I made a mistake. And I think it's important for people to see people making mistakes and admitting it, acknowledging and moving forward through it. Just like as a parent, you know, I would tell my kids, yeah, dad messed up. What's happening? Something's, something's making Christina laugh at me. Welcome to the Paul show. Oh, um, Hey, I said, say something and you said nothing. So then I got to go again. No, I was waiting for you to get to the point of the story. Mm. Like, like the big idea. Oh, um, because I was that like, could take this, a is, while. this is a, a lot of Paul. This, this is, is a lot of Paul. This is a lot of Paul. This is a lot of Paul. This is a lot of Paul. What's your point, Paul? All right. So, uh, yeah. so now the 10th step was your step. point. Yeah. The fact that you were able to, at this point in your recovery, look at the situation and almost immediately go, Hey, I was in the wrong here. I need to make amends. I need to apologize to my wife. So that's big. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I think, you know, being able to leverage my mistake into helpful to take my mess, turn it into a message has been, uh, Rewarding is not the word. Are you just surprised you made a mistake? So you had to... <laughs> <laughs> no, not surprised. Not surprised. I'm pleased with the with the rapid response. Um, I would be I, too. And I'm not sure. I would be too. Um, look around the corner and see if she says, "Was it was my response?" Because listener Bev is in the in the room here. Was my response? Do you think adequately re, uh, rapid, listener Bev? I, very. She said very. 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 Uh, I was already waiting for an answer, actually, or an explanation to that, and I didn't know how long it was going to take. Hmm. So I was surprised that it came so quickly. Wow. Nice. Yeah. She, she waits for it. She does. And you know, and that's a good thing because that means that there's expectation that you have accountability for your actions. So right. that in itself is also a very positive response. And it also means that there's history for accountability. Yeah. That we, we uh, you know, we, we've got that. That's the paradigm. That's the yeah. the way that we work, and I, I'm I'm glad about that. That's awesome. Um, so so it was good, and I've got more that I can say about it, but um, we'll say we're that like for, thirty minutes in. For, well, not thirty, <laughs> but twenty-one, <laughs> not including bumpers. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to going to roll this over because one of the ways that I'm allowing my wife to say. Um, I forgive you is uh, she sent us in a, a song for this week and I'm going to be honest I'm not sure what this song is this is a song called Better by Pat Barrett and I, I, I'm guessing once I hear it I'm like oh that's the song but right off the top of my head here right now I'm not sure what we're going to hear but this is going to be about 90 seconds of the song Better by Pat Barrett and we will be back on the other side of the mess, uh, song to talk about it And it played that little tiny bit of noise. That's kind of funny. Um, so uh, we're having a good time on the show today, aren't we? We are. You know, I've, 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 I know that there have been shows where we've had more enjoyment, but this is better than a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, see what I did there? That's so funny. More better. Oh, uh, yeah. Better-er. So I did know this song, uh, yeah. it turns out. As soon as I started listening, I was like, oh, I've heard this mm -hmm. song. 
So what what gets you with this one? What 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 uh, draws your attention? I like the groove of it. It's just cool. Does it have a beat and you can dance to it? No. Yeah. It's just like a little groove. Yeah. You just kind of get into. It takes you to a place. When I, I was listening to a, another podcast this week as I was driving, and it was a podcast about music. Okay. And uh, uh, the um, well-known music producer, Rick Rubin, was talking to a musician. Um, and he was asking him where he gets, you know, how he listens to music. And, and the, the musician was talking about the fact that he had written this song and the words came at the end and Rick Rubin said, well, are the words important? And the guy said that in his music, the words are the least important, mm -hmm. that it's beat first and then it's the, the, the chords and then the words are just sort of extra. Hmm. Um, and for me, a lot of times it's the, the melody. I'll get hooked in and I don't really, you know, I'll listen to a song and for years and not really know what it's saying. Right. But I really love the words to song. What what strikes you first in a song? How, what Are you a beat, a melody, a, a word? First? Yeah, or, or, or most okay. impactful. That's, that's different. It, it can be. Um, I think a little bit of everything. You know, if it doesn't have a good beat to it, but it's lyrically strong, I'm going to have a harder time listening to that. If it's got a good beat, but it's got weak lyrics, then I'm going to have a hard time listening to that. So I think it all has to be some sort of substance, you know, because it has to be a pleasure for me to listen to. So musically, it has to sound good. But then I also don't want a song that just repeats the same chorus five times and has like three lines in between. So it has to be, has to be all around a really good song. You know, sometimes I do like that, that space to ruminate, especially to with ruminate. a worship song. I was waiting for ruminate. Yeah. I knew yeah. it was coming. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was but like, with oh, a worship song, sometimes I need that, that just to let it bake and just, just ponder on a thought. Yeah. Not, I don't want it all the time. I don't want that to be the steady diet, but I do like that occasionally. And that's one of the things that I liked about this song is just that whole idea is you are better than all these things. And he mm -hmm. just goes through and lists this litany of, of things that God is better than. Um, but the thing that I really like in the middle, it's I have tasted and I have seen. So this is not just a, a wild hair, just an inclination, just a arbitrary thought. It's like I've, I've gone out and I've checked things out mm -hmm. and you're better than this. Right. You're better than this. You're better than this. Yeah. And, and that, that to me is powerful because that's when people speak from a point of knowledge I have more respect for it. And, and, and I don't need people to agree with me. I just want people to have a, a basis for what they're saying and why they're saying it. And I can have respect for that. I have, I have more respect for a person who disagrees with me with reason than for a person who agrees with me just because. Absolutely. And, and, and this one, you know, he says, I've, I've checked it out. I've, I've, I've tasted things. I've seen things and you're better. All of this stuff. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that God's better than. Um, I'm like everything, everything. Yeah. yeah. He's better than everything. Yeah. Did you, is there a point in your life where you started to realize this, that I think there's points in life that I realize it more than others. Like, I don't think it's a consistent thing. So my walk with Christ began, you know, seven years ago ish this time. And you know, there's times where I'm just, I just know. My faith is solid. Like I know that, that God is better than everything, that mm -hmm. there is nothing in this world that 
taste as sweet, sounds as sweet, smells as sweet, you know, none of that, nothing compares to him. And then there's other moments where I'm like, you know, is he all he's cracked up to be? Is that, is that just something that my mind tells me to believe? Or is that something really hidden in my heart? Or so I think there's, there's times where I fully believe I fully have grasp on that faith in him. And then other times it's like, it's distant. It's not so, so close. Can you, can you identify like, uh, circumstances or situations where it's more likely to be the, the certainty or the lack of certainty? No. Cause I'm, as you're saying that I'm picturing in my head and I'm thinking of, uh, the movie Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan mm-hmm. in the middle of the storm. And it's like, is that all you got? Right. And sometimes that storm will crush me. And sometimes I'm like, nope, you're going to have to give more if you want to break this guy. And, and so I can't say it's this situation or it's this thing that comes in. Um, and I think probably more, more likely if I were to really analyze it and get all the data that it's probably not these massive fissures in my emotions or my psyche, but the small micro fissures that have built up and then eventually caused the failure of it. Um, you know, I talk, my, my daughter talks about these in, in teeth, you get these little tiny fractures and, and over time, then it'll finally break the tooth, right. but it's the stuff, you know, chewing on ice that causes those little things and, or grinding your teeth mm-hmm. that just is slowly over time eroding and weakening that structure to where it's going to have a, at some point, a, a critical failure. Hmm. Yeah. So, and I, and I can't predict it in my, in my walk. I, you know, I've had those times where it's like, and for me, I think I don't question, is God better than this? That that's not my question. My question mm-hmm. is, is this worth it? See, to me, I still, you know, I'm going to be very honest because that's just what I try to do. Well, that's the show. Um, Thanks for starting now. 80, yeah. 83 shows you know, in. Authentic biker chick um, is like, sometimes I just doubt whether, whether it's real. Like, God, are you real? You know, is this, you know, some, something that we just make up, you know, I go back to all the doubts that I had for so mm-hmm. many years, you know, cause I try to look at what my brain comprehends as the, um, you know, the foundation of who God is Mm -hmm. and what he's based off of. And, you know, it's hard to, to look at the world and just how crappy it is and think that a loving almighty God allows all that. Sure. Yeah. And we were talking about this in prison before I set off my alarm, this exact same thing. What, what is it that brings you to the realization that yes, he is. Is there something, do you have a tool or a mechanism? I cannot deny the fact that I've felt God inside me. You know, the, the, the presence of the Holy spirit is not something that I can ignore in my life. You know, if it, if I, I'm a feeling person. So without that tangible presence, I think there would be a lot more doubt, Mm -hmm. but I can't deny times where, you know, just not too long ago when he called me into the lighthouse to pray in the war room and just the overwhelming experience of God at that moment. So it's times like that where, you know, I look at it and it's like, you're, you're not crazy, at least not for this. <laughs> Do you, you know? log those for future use and say, okay, when I'm feeling down, I'm going to go, this is going to be my touchstone. I'm going to go back and. 
That takes a lot of effort, I think. No, I don't. Okay, so <laughs> I just kind of go with the flow. So I do mm-hmm. because I know that those times are going to come because I've right. seen them come in the past. Mm-hmm. And when I have one of those breakthrough moments, like, oh, okay, that was so God, then I, I mark that and, my, and that's my touchstone. Nice. And it, it lets me draw strength from that because I know that I know that I know that I know that that was a real thing. Mm-hmm. This other stuff that I'm going through right now might not be real, but that was, right. that was real. And that's where I get my comfort and that's where I, I reset my, my computer. Well, and my thing is, it's not so much a consistent doubt that he exists because I, I absolutely hundred percent know that God exists. It's under what character does he exist? Who is he? Who is the foundation of who he is? And that's something I've struggled with my entire faith walk mm-hmm. is, you know, is, is he the God that existed in the old Testament? Is he the God of the new covenant? Is he all of the above? Is God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, three different characters are all they, are they the same? Yeah. You know, what does that look like? And, um, you know, it's just hard when, you know, I've, I've been in the experience of, of crying out to God and feeling void, you know, and, and living in that, it's like, well, feeling a void answer or feeling void in yourself. You cry out and you feel the void coming back. Yes. Okay. Just, just a non-existent God. And, you know, it's like, is he, is he that God that everybody says he is, you know, the God of love. He is the God that wants relationship with us. He's, you know, is he really that God? And so that's where I struggle is, is defining, you know, as the God that I believe in, in my heart, just an image that I want to exist, you know, cause God did wipe out the planet one time, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to ignore that fact. Um, and so there's just a lot of those moments where it's like, you know, who, who do I believe in? What do I believe? And I think that's a, uh, an ongoing thing for life. And I do believe that God gives me grace in that yeah. and that he's like, all right, kiddo, you'll figure it out. You'll, right. you'll get to see my true character. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I don't question the existence. I, for me, it's, it's, it's just why, why this, why, why, why do we have to have this? Why, why? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I can remember one time being very physically ill mm-hmm. and I, I don't like to vomit at all. My and daughter neither. She really can't do it. I, I woke Bev up in the bathroom, like on the floor, kind of hugging the toilet on the verge of weeping, just like, I don't want to throw up. Yes, and, yes, I understand. And, and just asking God, why? Why do I have to have this? Or, or a fly buzzing when I'm like trying to focus on something. Like, why, God? Why this? What's what's up with that? That happened this morning. Oh, Ugh. yeah. Or when I'm just like in the depths of despair. Yeah. Why do I have to be here again? Mm-hmm. And 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 which is a concept we've talked about before. Is you know tired of the struggle or tired from the struggle and. And that, that's where I get, it's just, it's, it's a why. Well, and I have a really hard time with, you know, there's a lot of people when they, when they experience loss or they experience infertility or they experience things that, um, steal the joy 
from their heart, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's grief there and there's, there's deep darkness and sadness there. You know, I have a really hard time looking at him and go, you know, it's just all part of God's plan. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, is it? And why is it? You know, obviously we don't see the roadmap ahead of us and we don't know. Um, but I saw something that really got to me and I don't remember the big word that they used, but it's all about God, right? It's all about him. And so it's this, you know, God centered, you know, like we're little puppets kind of thing, all for the, the fun and so enjoyment of God. So whim, just... Right. And, and not... And, and the way you're saying it makes me think not in a good way, but more in a maniacal... Self-righteous kind yeah, of... cynical yeah. kind of... Yeah. And, and so it just... Those things just make me wonder. You know, it was somebody, an atheist, I think, talking, you know, I don't want part of your, you know, your crazy self-centered God. Um, and it also makes me think, you know, like how do people see God? You know, people that have been hurt by the church, people that have been hurt by, uh, his, his non-existence in their life, that void that, that that they experience. Um, and so just, that's kind of where I'm at right now, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm just at this place of like, what, what does God look like? Because I see conversations and, you know, people going into surgery, their, their brother's almost dying and, you know, they're praying for this miracle and then the miracle doesn't happen and they die. Yeah. You know, what do you say? I'm sorry. It just wasn't, you know, God needed them more in heaven than they did on earth. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so, it just leaves me open-ended. Right. You know? And, um, that's one thing that I, a lot of prayer lists in my experience have been centered on health issues for people and praying for a medical, uh, reprieve or miracle or whatever. And, and I always remind myself, you know, like I remember one time praying for a a person who was like in their nineties with cancer and they're praying, you know, please God heal us. It's like, at some point we know that the plan is that there's an end mm-hmm. and trying to figure out, I'm, I'm trying to avoid this cough and I, <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to figure out, you know, what to do in those points. And I, so I, I, I get a little hesitant in praying. And so I pray more for, for peace and for understanding. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But you said, you know, why, or, you know, what does, you know, what does God look like? Mm-hmm. And we were talking in my, um, CR groups in the prison this week about sponsors mm-hmm. and the need for relationship and partnership. And the, the thought came to me that, and, and God gave me this to say to them that, you know, everything was made by God, the mountains, the beautiful ocean, the beautiful jungles and forests and all this stuff. And he had all this beauty and wonder and wow, super cool. And what he did to, to put the cherry on top was made you. And that's what he needed the most. He didn't need the mountain the most because when he had the mountain, it wasn't good enough. He had to make you. And that's what God looks like to me is you. And my wife saying, I forgive you in that parking lot. And 
the guy in the prison showing me a letter he got that said that they're reopening his case in a good way to drop, you know, several years off his sentence and, and he might be going home way sooner than he thought. And, and the joy that he's had, and he's never been bitter about this to me. He's just always been hopeful. And that's, that's what God looks like. God looks like a person in, 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 uh, Amsterdam listening to us here in the desert in California for whatever reason. And we probably look like God to that person in Amsterdam. It's just that we look like God because I think people can do some rotten, horrible things. But I don't remember a lot when I think of people. Most of what I remember is, is people who have done wonderful, beautiful things for me. I, I think of the joy in people and the the happiness that people have brought to me. Those are the, the things that, that float to the top of my memory ocean is just these these joyful, loving memories are the ones that I I cling to when, when the storms are getting rough. And that's, you look like God to me, biker chick. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, see, and that's, it, the whole time you're saying that, and we're really long, I'm sure, at this point. Um, yeah, what does God look like to that inmate that's truly innocent, who's doing 30 years and, you know, knows in his heart of hearts he didn't do what they said he did, yet he's still sitting there? You know, what does God look like to that guy? You know, what does God look like to to the woman who's, you know, lost a child and is trying her hardest to have another and falling short? Mm-hmm. You know, that's where my heart aches. Yes. It's like, where, where do they see hope? You know, where... We just pray that, you know, God changes our heart and fills it with him. You know, those are all very pleasantry things to say. Um, but, but living in that vulnerable place, you know, it, what do you say? What, how do you express? I don't think you can. I think that's, that's the beauty of my take on Christianity is you can't say anything to make it better. No, you can't change what they're going through. Um, but you can provide presence and whatever comfort. And that's with a C, not with a T. And yes, presence, just sitting there. there. Yeah. Um, not pretending that you have all the right answers. Yeah. Not pretending you know what God's doing. Um, you know, and just and just being what you can be. Yeah. When my kids were hurt, they didn't want me to give them an explanation of why they were feeling pain and all the neurological reasons. Right. They wanted me to wrap them up in my arms, pull them up in, mm-hmm. and hug them right. until it stopped hurting. Right. And that's that's what we want from God. And that's what Jesus looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully, that's what this podcast does for you. It just gives you uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 40. 41 minutes yeah. uh, to just be hugged by people who absolutely don't have their act together, Mm -hmm. absolutely are not perfect, but who absolutely have taken whatever mess comes in front of them and are trying to do their best to turn that into a message for someone else. And the only way that mess can become a message is if we don't hide it, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we have to, we have to say it. And so thank you for indulging me and letting me tell my parking lot story. I will say this, 
bless his heart, the sergeant who came out to check on us did assure me that he could find us beds to spend the night if we needed to. And uh, we said, uh, thank you. And we also talked about the fact that it was quite ironic that I couldn't get my alarm to stop, but just on the other side of the the barbed wire fences and and razor wire, there were probably a couple thousand guys who would be happy to come out and help me out. (laughs) Yes. We thought that was quite ironic. I had that thought too. I was like, oh, there's a few people in there. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, thank you for taking this little journey with us. Um, it's uh, it's been a whole lot of fun so far. We've got more shows coming up. Uh, we got our Thanksgiving show that we're going to be recording soon, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Holiday season is here, and that typically uh, means people are out spreading cheer, and uh, that also means that people are feeling really, really blue. And so I just encourage you to go and find someone to give uh, some prayer to, or a hug to, or just your presence. Just be there. Not with a T. Yeah. Quit shopping for presents and just start giving out your your presence in people's lives. Um, If you would like to uh, support the show, a couple of real easy ways to do it. You can give us a rating right now on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us on. Give it a rating so more people can find the show. Give us a review. Say some words. uh, Let us know what's going on. Uh, You can also go to our website, messituppodcast.com. Click on that little orange button that says become a patron and support the show uh, financially. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron and that really helps to get the bills paid. I was just talking to... uh, one of my inmates who's fixing to get out and he wants to start a podcast when he gets out. He said, what do I need to do to get a podcast started? I said, well, you're going to need, here's the costs you're going to incur. And Mm -hmm. so it's nice to have folks who are helping us pay those costs. So if you're one of our patrons, thank you. And if you're not one yet, um, try it out for a month and see if it works out for you. And, uh, um, you can keep it going or, or, or not, but uh, we just really appreciate whatever you want to do is greatly appreciated. And we'll be here for you in the future. Don't forget to send emails. Biker chick at messituppodcast.com. Bowtie guy at messituppodcast.com. And uh, shake Dave's cage out there in Hawaii. Just tell him aloha and mahalo at info at messituppodcast.com. We'll see you on all the social media and we'll see you next time we mess it up. See ya. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.